Good to see you guys today. Welcome to the Grove. If you're a first-time guest, I want to say welcome. And would you do me a favor this morning? If you're the first time here, would you take a moment? Or maybe you haven't ever done this before. If you take a, that connection card you received on the way in in your service guide and just let us know you're here. You could do it, a physical copy or a digital copy. And uh, this week I'll send you a letter just following up uh, saying thanks for coming. And uh, we hope, uh, we know you're going to enjoy service. And so thanks for coming. And welcome all those tuning online, Facebook Live, or through our podcast. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we know this week's going to also challenge you guys. And so we pray for you this week. That'll be a great week. Um, so we're starting a series today called Uncommon, and we're gonna, it's a series on relationships. How many of you guys know we can all use a little bit of help in relationships? Anybody with me? Yeah, and our world can use some help in relationships, right? Because uh, when we look at the typical uh, average person, uh, average marriage, average uh, um, employee or, or worker, uh, we see a lot of times that the, the stats and what's happening is not always the best. So if you just go with the flow, if you're typical, if you're common, if you're normal, what side of typically deems as normal or what's common, uh, a lot of times we see that it doesn't work. And so this series is going to say, what if we became uncommon in our relationships? What would it look like if we, we decided to do something a little differently when it comes to our approach to our, the relationships we have with um, our spouse, with our kids, with our coworkers, with our boss, with our employees? What would that look like if we begin to maybe view life a little differently and get some tools to help us? Because here's what I know. When it comes to relationships uh, and the barriers that keep us from healthy relationships, because really that's the goal to have healthy relationships, be healthy individuals. Uh, when we face uh, these different issues like, um, you know, stubbornness, gossip, fighting, maybe power struggles, selfishness, uh, really, when I think of all that, it could be really be summed up, and the topic we'll talk about today is uh, the uncommon, it, it could be summed up in a lack of love. All those things, they stem to one thing, it's a lack of love. And uh, we're going to talk about what that means to have uncommon love. So the very first characteristic we'll talk about is love. Um, and love is pretty hard to talk about because uh, culture... Uh, makes that word um, very common, right? That is a common word. And so we want to take that word and say, hey, this is, an, this is a word that um, is very meaningful when it comes to what Jesus talked about love and what it looks like. Uh, because uh, in the same sentence, we'll say, I love you to somebody we care about. And then the next word, sentence could be, I love ice cream. I'm like, huh? So you love your spouse, but you love ice cream. You love your kids, but you love ice cream. And sometimes it can become just a, a word we use to really explain everything that we like. Um, and it gets... Uh, convoluted when we see them even the messages on, in, on the screen right hollywood and tv we begin to think of this this word love as a romantic as a feeling as an emotion and it is tied to that that's not a bad thing but when it's only that um, a feeling then we think that we're not in love or we don't feel love or we're not loving others if there's not a feeling attached to it and sometimes and a lot of times the greatest actually a demonstration of love is one that's not attached to a feeling but attached to a choice that we make in our life and so we'll talk about that. You know, I heard that when it comes to relationships, you know, in, in our day and age, uh, the number one of the number one greatest illnesses of our time is actually loneliness. Um, we have more ability to connect with more people than ever before. And in our society, there are more people who are more lonely than ever before. And that could even include married people who even share a bed with a partner that feel very lonely and isolated. And so in relationships, when we think of it, um, we have to learn how to get better at relationships because um, people need help. We need help uh, to discover what does that look like to have uncommon relationships. In fact, um, over 25% of our population suffers from chronic loneliness, they would say. Uh, it's one of the major causes of suicide in our day and age is loneliness, feeling alone. Um, in the U.S., when it comes to relationships, uh, it's it said that one marriage breaks down for every minute that we're alive. So this minute that we're in, there will be somebody's marriage in our country that will break down. Uh, this this minute. So through this whole service, about 65 minutes or so, that's 65 marriages have broken apart and, and, and fallen apart and been separated or whatever that comes with that. 
Um, so that, and that's 24 hours a day, just always ongoing. In fact, uh, one, one doctor talked about mental illness, and he says one of the contributing factors, many of the factors to mental illness is that many, it's, it comes from a lack of love. Uh, that's how they would even define it, which is so hard because how do you define that? What do you, what do you mean by love and loving others and people caring for us? Um, well, for us, if, if we're going to have uncommon relationships and healthy relationships, we have to learn to be able to be the kind of people uh, that help those, especially those that are lonely. Um, and if you're feeling lonely, I'm going to hopefully throughout this message in this series give you some, some tools also to realize that part of it also is on our part, right, to have healthy relationships that comes to, down to us making some choices. And then for those that would be willing to say, I want to help those that are lonely. It's a big segment of our society that is feeling alone. How can I be that person that can um, show some love to them? So the, the verse that we're going to use for this whole series is kind of going to challenge us. And what's interesting is we've actually used this verse a couple times this whole year. And so I would say this is a good indication that we had to pay attention to this because God is trying um, to always help us to, to live a life that would make an impact in our world. Romans 12 says it like this in the message translation. If you're new to church or maybe don't know much about the Bible, the, the MSG up there, it doesn't have anything to do with food, right? That is a, a sh- short for, for the message translation, which is one of the many translations. And actually, it's a paraphrase, um, and it's, it's a, not necessarily a, a translation, but a paraphrase of, of the scripture. And this is what he says, um, in, Paul says in Romans 12 in the message version of the, of the scripture, of the Bible. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. So he's saying, take your life. That would be your relationships. That would be everything you're doing. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So essentially, in this, in this um, series, you know, it's uh, uh, healthy relationships and, and uncommon relationships that will be healthy. Um, they are, they're, they're possible, but they're not probable. What I mean by that is you have to choose it. It doesn't just happen. Uh, probability is I'm just going to wait till my relationships get better. And in this series, we're going to challenge you to say you can't just go through life just going with the flow. You have to actually choose to be able to do that. And so we'll need some uncommon attributes that we'll be talking about and characteristics when it comes to having healthy relationships. He goes on and says this, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. So don't just go through life. Don't go through the motions. Don't just wait for things to get healthy. Don't wait for things to get better, right? Don't just fit into it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, which is always the way God works. We tend to look on the outside and try to fix everything on the outside. God says, no, no, start on the inside. And eventually the outside will take care of itself. Like you have to start with the right place. He says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to his level of immaturity. Instead of just being like culture and being common and being normal like everybody else. He's saying, let God do something in you life. Let him bring the best out of you. He'll develop well-formed maturity in you. So he wants you to become healthy. Another translation in the New, New Living Test, uh, Translation says it like this. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you from the inside out. So you say, don't just copy. Don't just go with the flow. Don't just fit in, right? Pay attention to what's happening. I mean, if you want to be common and you want to be average and you want to just have the same results that maybe you've been having or others have, well, just, just go with the flow. But if you want to have healthy relationships and you want to have an uncommon relationships that are healthy and, and successful, then you have to choose to do some things on your part, all right? And today we're going to talk about uncommon love. Uh, here's what I would say is, is for the next uh, few weeks as we talk about uh, the different um, things that we need to have healthy relationships, uh, if you get this one right, the other five that we'll talk about will come a little easier. So if you get this one nailed down, you'll actually find that the other ones will come o- along very easily. In fact, I would say this, when it comes to Scripture, when we look at the Bible, there's a lot of different commands, a lot of different things. If you'll get this one that we're talking about right, other ones will actually naturally just come with themselves because this is really the starting point that God is saying, get this part right. That way, 
you'll be able to understand what I'm trying to do in your life. In fact, Jesus um, says, as a Christian church, we follow Jesus, right? He's our, he's our rabbi. He's our teacher. And, and we look at his disciples and what they learned from him. And we look at the, the different people that followed him in the beginning of the, in the early church. And they, 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 they said, here's the example he set for us. And so for three years, Jesus walked and he taught and he, he did miracles and he, he loved people and he healed people and he took care of people and he taught and he tried to show what the kingdom of God was like. And these 12 disciples that were with him, uh, they listened to him and they had these side conversations. And I can imagine um, in, in his interactions. So it says a couple things about Jesus. One, it says that the kids were drawn to him, right? How many of you guys know uh, when kids are drawn to somebody, that's a pretty uh, fun person to be around? You with me, right? Kids don't go to angry people, right? Kids don't go to bitter people. Kids don't go to uh, people that are mean. They typically stay away from those, right? But they are drawn towards people that have humor, that have life coming out of them. And so the fact that Jesus went there. So I can imagine Jesus' conversation with his disciples in the side and at night, late at night, when they're, you know, uh, after they fish and they're eating some fish on the, on, the, on the beach and they're hanging out. I can only imagine the conversations that took place and the laughter and the joy and the life that was in those things, right? Because people saw something in Jesus that was unique, that was uncommon. And in that, they, they began to say, what, what does this look like? Um, and he tried to explain to them, all right, guys, I'm trying to do something, something different here, right? So he came. And um, he, he's, in the, he's placed in the middle of a culture that has these commands from God for, for, for thousands of years that have been trying to follow God. And really, out of their, out of, it's, it's out of human strength to try to follow God in these moments. And he shows up. And he says, God, I'm try, guys, I'm trying to teach you something different. I want you to look at life a little differently. For so long, your ancestors have tried and tried and tried to make God happy. They've worked really hard on their own. He said, guys, I'm trying to show you that it, it's, if, if you don't start in the heart, you only start externally and try to do these things in your own power – you're never going to get it right. You're actually going to complicate and make things even more difficult. And that was one of the things he kept telling the Pharisees. Guys, you're so focused on the externals that you miss out really what God is trying to do on the inside. And you might look like you're doing what's right, but on the inside, something else is going on. In fact, he even said at one point, he says, he says you're like whitewashed tombs. Like it looks good on the outside, but the inside is full of dead man's bones. Like there's death inside there. You don't even realize it. He's trying to point out to them saying, you hey guys, wake up. And here's the religious people who are doing everything that they're supposed to be doing, right? They were, they, were, they, were, they were looking the part. They were, they were following all the commands. He's saying, guys, you're missing the point. You're focused on the externals. Let me talk about the internals. So with his disciples, he keeps telling them, like, pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. I'm trying to do something. And then we find in um, uh, John, uh, the, the writer of uh, John, John the disciple, John the beloved, um, in, in uh, chapter 13, um, he, this is the night that he is uh, being betrayed by Judas. Um, he's, he's serving his, his disciples' communion. And um, he's going to be wrongly accused and in prison and beaten and tortured. And the next day he'll die on that cross. Okay. And so this is the night before. And so he begins to, this whole chapter is full of John's, um, his take on that night of explaining what's taking place and what's happening. And he says that, um, um, he, he begins to say, guys, this is what's going to happen. And he tells them all these details about what's going to take place that night and the next couple of days. And he says, I'm telling you this because when it happens, I want you to really believe. Like, like, you won't be surprised, but you're going to say, look back and say, oh, wow, he actually told us those things were going to happen. And they didn't get it. The whole time, the whole night, they were, they were, they were thinking about the kingdom of God, the thing about him as ruler in a whole different way than he was trying to explain. In fact, he even starts this night off by, um, by taking a towel and, and a, a wash basin and washing his disciples' feet. He's showing service. He's showing what the kingdom of God looks like when it comes to action. And he serves his disciples that's how he starts the night. He's, trying to, he's saying, guys, I'm, I'm trying to make a point here, all right? In, in life, we tend to look for power. We're power hungry. We want to control and dominate. He says, guys, the kingdom of God is way different. 
we serve in a, in, a, in a subversive way. We actually serve others and we, we care for others, even those that nobody else cares for. And so he makes a statement. And this is a really important statement. He says, a new command I give you. Now, here's why it's so important, all right? Jesus is about to die. He's telling his, his tribe, his, his group of guys, what, what they need to learn because after he dies, he's giving them the authority and he's asking them to go and do something with their lives. And so he says, I give you a new, I, I, a new command I give to you. So tonight he's saying, I'm, I'm giving you a new command, guys. Now, he's talking to, to Jewish boys who, um, who knew the, all the commands in the Old Testament. In fact, all 613 of them, they probably knew them, maybe even by heart, um, because they were talked about so often. And so when he says, I'm giving you a command, he's not talking about commandment 614. He's not talking about that. Essentially, he's saying, no, guys, no, no, that was, there was something that God was trying to do in, that, in those moments with all those, those, those scriptures and all those commandments throughout the Old Testament. But now I'm going to give you something new. In fact, he even alludes to it in other parts of the teaching. He said, this is actually what's going to be the replacing and be the thing that you need to know is the main thing. Here's what I believe. If we get this commandment right, all the other commandments he's asking us actually come a little easier because we understand that he's asking us to do something out of uh, our, our benefit and for the good of those around us, not as a way to prove ourselves or to earn his love. That's not what the commandments are about. Religion gets that confused. Religion thinks if I show up at a certain hour, at a certain day, at a certain place, that I'm better, like I'm, I'm, I'm better than others. And if I pray enough and I read my Bible enough and give enough, then God's happy with me. And God says, no, no, if, if you do all those things to try to appease God, you're missing the point. Rather, if you'll partner with God, says if you partner with me and live out a different way, all those other things will just happen almost naturally. They'll, they'll, just, they'll begin to show up more often in your life without even having to try so hard. So he says a new commandment. He's saying, I'm giving you something. That don't, don't miss this. Pay attention to it. And he says, love one another. Here's the commandment. Love one another. All right? So all the 613 commandments, he's saying, just love another, one another. And we know this, that a, a, a lawyer came and asked Jesus, out of all the, out of all the, the commandments, all the scriptures in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, he says, what are the most important? And Jesus says, love God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. So love God with everything you have and love your neighbors yourself. He summarized the whole law by saying this love. Don't miss that the whole point of all this is love. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. So when he brings this commandment, they've heard a little bit of similar things. All right, loving God is important. Loving your neighbor is just as important. So there's these two, these two things he's pointed out. Now he's saying, so here's my commandment, guys. Love one another. And then he tells us how to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So now he doesn't just tell you what you should do. He actually shows you how exactly that should play out. Um, at this point, he hasn't died, so they don't know exactly what's going to take place. But I'm sure as they uh, reflect after a few days and after a few months of this, and even as they give their lives to serve the kingdom, they realize everything he did for them. But up to this point, he's done enough to show them, guys, here I am. I'm, 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 I'm declaring that I'm the son of God, right? So I have all authority, all power. And notice what I did to you guys just a few moments ago. How did I love you? I served you. I took care of a need that you had that nobody else was willing to take care of. I washed your feet. I called some of the disciples. I called some of you who were at odds with, with your, maybe even your parents, maybe your people group, right? Because you were working for the Romans, not for the, your country. I called some of you tax collectors. I called some of you who were who are zealots and very anxious for political gain and reasons. I called you in the middle of our. And what he's saying is, just notice how I have loved you. Even when you didn't understand, I, I called and I chose you guys to come. He's telling his disciples, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. And then notice what he says. By this, by this what? By this way that you love one another, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. If people would look at your life, 
and they, they, they watched how you interacted with other people, uh, your family, uh, other, other Christians, other uh, coworkers, would they say, just by the way you've interacted with them, that there's something different about you? Or would they say, you're just like everybody else? Um, what comes out of our mouths, the things that we say, the, the way that we treat others, is it common and just like everybody else? Or would they say, man, there's something different? Because Jesus says, hey, guys, if you want to know what's going to separate you from everybody else in this world, it's going to be the way you interact with each other. He says, love one another. The same I loved you, you must love one another. And by this, everybody, everyone in the world will begin to notice something different in you. Uh, I served in a, in a church in Bernalillo for 11 years, and uh, there was this uh, young lady who became part of our team. And um, when, when she came in, she began to serve and help, and um, she, was, she was just out of high school and um, uh, wanted to be a part of the church. And, and after a while, we began to build a relationship with our, our, our team, and we asked her, like, what, what caused you to want to be part of our church and our team? And she said, honestly, the truth was, she says, I, I believed in Jesus. I, I, I didn't have a problem with the church and the issue. She says, but when I watched you guys interact, there was so much laughter. There was so much teasing and joy between you guys, uh, between the team. She said, I wanted to be a part of that. Like, I saw something that you had that I wanted for myself. And that was one of the things that drew her to this. This is the point Jesus is making. When we love each other the way he's loved us, when we care for each other the way he cared for us, it actually demonstrates that we are following Christ, that there's something different in us. So he says, a new commandment, he's saying, guys, this is really, 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 really important. Don't miss it. A new commandment I'm giving you, love one another. And if you get this right, all other things I'm asking you to do actually come very easy, right? In, in our marriages, if I love sincerity out of duty, and I have to do it because I'm commanded to, like, all right, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, I can't commit adultery because that commandment is there. I'm going to fight that commandment because uh, fight that urge because that commandment is there. There's not going to be much joy in my relationship if I only serve her and love her out of a commandment. But when I truly love my wife, when it comes to committing adultery, that's not even a thought in my life. Why? Because my love for her is far superior and greater than any emotion or anything I would feel in those moments because I'm choosing to say, I'm going to do this, this relationship out of love, not out of duty. I'm going to do this relationship out of choice, not out of being forced to. And that's the difference in our walk with God is when we, when we follow him out of a, a relationship, out of a choice, all these things he asks us, we actually begin to say, okay, I love you so much, I trust you so much, this relationship, that you must be asking me not to do these things for a specific reason. I'm going to just trust you in this moment. And out of that relationship, all these other things begin to flow a little more naturally and easily. If you're forced to do the things that you do for God, it's not, there's not going to be a lot of joy with it. It'll be a, a duty. It'll be a, a difficulty. And, and in fact, uh, it'll be really hard to, to follow. You, you'll always think God is trying to keep something from you. Where in fact, he's trying to keep you from something so that he can give you something better down the road all the time. In our mindset, we get that mixed up. So, so, uh, so John says this. Uh, in fact, Paul and um, he's talking about how he summarizes the law. He even says, okay, so Jesus, he, he gave a new command to love one another. He summarized the whole Old Testament by saying, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. So he summarized it as loving God, loving people. And Paul goes on and says, I would even shorten that to say, if you want to know what it looks like to, to be a Christ follower, to be a Jesus follower, he says this, love your neighbor as yourself. That is the summary of what God is trying to do. He took it as far to say, if you get this one thing right of loving your neighbor as yourself, you actually understand what God is trying to do. Here's why I know why, why, when he says that, why it's so important. Because if you're like me, there are people that are very difficult to love. Inside of myself, I cannot love them. But when I ask God to help me to love them, he, makes a, he gives me a little more grace to be able to love those that are very hard to love. Why? Because he gives me the, the ability to see them in a way, different light than most people will see them. We see sometimes them as knuckleheads, as jerks, as people that are arrogant. God sees them as a child of God. 
he sees them somebody's lost and hurting. Somebody's trying to um, find fulfillment in life through power and through um, through whatever they every mean, any means they can. And God is saying they're just lost. There's somebody that's hurting. Somebody that doesn't know even what they're doing. In fact, we see the statement on Jesus. He's on the cross. He makes a statement. He is being crucified on the cross. And the first words he says is what? Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So when he says, guys, love one another, it's a new commandment. He's not just telling them. He's modeling it for them. He's showing it for them. On the cross, he's demonstrating it for all of us, saying, guys, all right, these guys, are they're, they're killing me. They're literally, like, they're putting me on the cross right now, and they have beaten me down to the last part of my life. And he says, God, forgive these people. They don't even know what they're doing. He's saying, God, I see these people differently than the moment they're in right now. He sees them differently. So, so Jesus summarizes it. He says, the new commandment, Paul says, love your neighbor as yourself. And that summarizes what God is trying to do in our lives. Um, the disciples get this. They finally get it because if you read the New Testament, the New Covenant, you, you begin to see that uh, Paul and, and James and, and John and Peter, they keep referring back to this idea of we need to love one another. We can't miss this. This is what God has asked of us, that we love one another when it comes to life. In fact, First John, um, John, the beloved disciple, he, he, he writes a few different books. So John is the account of, of Jesus' life and the gospel. And then he writes some letters, which is known as First John, Second, and Third John. All right, so he writes some other three other letters um, that they compile. He's writing to other believers, and he's saying, guys, here's what you need to know. He says, dear friends. So he's talking to other believers and, and even people that maybe would even desire to want to know, know Christ in his ways. He says, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Let's love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. Sounds very similar to what Jesus was saying, right? Love one another. But he says this, guys, if you want to know about love, if you want to know what love looks like, it's not an emotion, although it can be attached to emotion. It's not just a feeling. It can be attached to those. Um, it's something so much greater and so much more than that. In fact, he says, if you want to know what God is and his, his characteristic and who he is, his, the attribute of who he is, he is love. He says, God is love. And the reason this is so important, because he wants us to see that when Jesus lived the three years and gave his life, this, is what he, this was the motivation for what God was doing. It was out of Love. God served, God gave because he loved, right? He loved us. He goes on and says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that, he might, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So he's saying, guys, pay attention to this. God did something amazing through his son Jesus on the cross. He demonstrated his love for us. And he goes on and says this. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And so we know and rely on God's love, on the love God has for us. We love because he first loved us. We're going to pull out some, some key principles here out of these scriptures he's t- talking about, um, of how we can have an uncommon love when it comes to um, loving others. All right, John 3.16, this is another, another statement John makes about Jesus. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved. So the action, the, the, what God was doing, it was, it was because of love, he gave his son to die on that cross. He's saying, guys, I, I have something for you. So here's a couple of principles we could pull out of these scriptures that Jesus talked about, that Paul talks about, that John talks about. He's saying, guys, if you want to know what it looks like, first you have to understand that God is love, right? So what does God's love look like? Well, God's love is unconditional. 
That's one of the attributes of God. Is it's, it, there's not conditions attached to it. It is unconditional. It's for everybody, all times. No matter what you've done, he's saying, I have love for you if you'll just receive it. God's love is sacrificial. Uh, not only is it unconditional, but it's sacrificial. He, a sacrifice on the behalf of the other person. When he's serving others, he's saying, I'm going to put down my own needs. I'm going to put my own desires to the side, and I'm going to serve you. It's a sacrifice that he gives. Uh, God's love is personable. It is, it is for that person. It is directed to that one. He cares about the one. He cares about you. He's saying it is personal. It's, it's, a, it's a relationship that's available to you. God's love is acceptable. You can accept and receive God's love. You're, you're able to actually be able to, um, to find and discover and, and, re- and receive this love in your life. And then God's love is accessible. It's available to all of us. You can access it. Because of the cross, because of the life Jesus lived, he's saying, I want to give you something different. If you want to have an uncommon relationship with a lot of people, learn that, first of all, that the love that you need, it comes from God. God's love is unconditional, it's sacrificial, it's personable, acceptable, and it's accessible by all and for all. He's saying, if you'll learn this, I'll help you. Because here's the secret of love, all right? The secret of love is being loved by God. If you want to love others, you have to first be able to receive the love God has for you. Because this is what I know. When it comes to loving difficult people, in my own strength, I can't. I don't want to. Um, but through God, when I receive his love, I begin to realize, okay, he has given me something I don't deserve. He's given me more than I can ever imagine. Because of that, now I can actually love others. But the moment you, can't, the moment you stop receiving and not wanting what God has for you, the more difficult it was, will be to give away. And so God is saying, I'm looking for people to, be able to, to use on this earth to help them to be able to love others. He's saying, let me, let me help you. It's, it's being loved by God, right? He's saying, love, love it, always, it always, out of all the things, you know, faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest. Love is it, it, it's so, so important. So the second secret of love is this, that love, the secret, secret of love is, is showing God's love to others. So not only do you receive God's love, you accept his forgiveness, you accept what he has for you, but then you begin to show others your love also. This even includes those that are nothing like you. The thing I love about Jesus is he hung out people that were nothing like him, and those people that were nothing like him actually liked him a lot. Um, they wanted to be with him. Uh, they saw something different in him. And he's saying, so, so he showed God's love to others. It's, it's, um, it, and this is, this is the, it, as a church, if there's one attribute, one thing that I would say that I, wish, that I, that I would like to be known for is that we would love one another, that we love those that God sends, that we love those in our community. Um, and one of the ways that we see that and know that is that we'd hear laughter in our small groups, laughter in our hallways, laughter in our church, that there'd be a joy and enjoyment of one another in the relationships that we have. Because out of that, it demonstrates that there is love there, there's a caring, um, there's, there's enough um, safety and comfort that we can let our guard down to laugh and not, not, not be so concerned with what everything's all the time, but saying there's a relationship here, there's, there's, there's care. And really, in our church, we want people to find comfort, we want people to find support and healing. In our small groups, we want people to find comfort, we want to find support and healing. Um, and, and when it comes to showing love to God to other people, uh, to other people, he's saying, let me help you to do this. You know, and, and the stories he's been told over and over, he was trying to tell his disciples, all right, guys, it's easy to love people that are like you. Uh, let me give you an example. All right, let's see who's in the room. Any Cowboy fans? Two. All right. Any Bronco fans? A couple more. <laughs> Raider fans? All right, a little more brave there. Um, I don't know who else would be in this room. Maybe you're like, I don't even like football. I like um, ballet. Ballet fans, all right? I don't know. All right, whatever it is. So you know this, right? When it comes to relationships, when it comes to liking others or loving others, when you see somebody that's wearing your team, right, your, your colors, you're like, that's a pretty cool person. Like, they get it, right? So a cowboy fan sees another cowboy fan, and they think, I like that person, right? 
And isn't it easy to show love to somebody who's like you? A cowboy fan, show another cowboy fan. But isn't it difficult when the Raider comes in, right? The Raider fan comes in like, woo, woo, making noise like, um, well, who lost? Who lost? The Raiders actually lost, sorry. Um, Cowboys won, but whoever they lose to that week, right? And that fan comes in and they're like, yeah, what's up? I can't hear you. I can't hear you, right? Um, And and they begin to show that. Isn't it really difficult to love those people at those moments? Why? Because there's a separation. They're different. They're those people, right? And and my people, we're we're better. We're different. There's something unique about us. And it's easy to like those who, who are like us. And this is the problem the people of Israel had. They loved people that were like them, other Jewish people. It was easy to love them. And God came, comes down. And he says, Jesus says, no, no, guys, you're missing it. I didn't come just to give you grace. I didn't come just to, give, to bless you so you can love those that are like you. It's not just about Cowboy fans loving Cowboy fans. It's about the Cowboy fans loving the Eagle fans too. Oh, that's the team, right? Oh, not the Eagles. Anybody but them, right? It's like he's saying outside of what you're comfortable with, I want you to, to, to be uncomfortable. I, want, I don't want you to be common. And just love those who are like you, but love those who are even different than you. Those who believe different. Those who think different. Those who speak different. And Jesus modeled this for us. He hung out with the prostitutes and the sinners and the drunks. And those that were sick. And those that the the religious would say were unclean. Why? Because he said they're made in the image of God. There's something unique about these individuals also. And in his stories, he made the heroes of the enemies of the people of Israel. He says, guys, you're missing it. Even the, the enemies can actually be the heroes sometimes and do some good. Because God, there's something in them that God will draw out and even use them to do good in this world. He's saying, God, even when it comes to others. You know, because, you know, when, in, in my life, when it comes to um, showing love to others or caring for others, when people love my family, love those I'm close to, especially my kids, man, there's something unique about those individuals. Like, I love them. With, I have a little more grace for them, right? It's like, man, they get it. They, they know me. And those that are mean to my kids and don't like them, I've had coaches like that in the past, you know, they just, they didn't get it. It's like, man, something about them like just pushes you away. It's like, no, 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 you're, you're messing with my family. Where do we get that from? I think we get it from our Father God. See, he, and this is why he says love one another, because if you don't love another, you're missing it. You're, you're, you're actually not representing me well. You're actually messing with my family. You're, you're, don't, don't do that. And then in my, in my home, when my kids, we have four of them, um, when they're fighting, man, there is, it is not enjoyable to be, be around them or the house, right? It's like, man, this is it's difficult. But when they're at peace, when they're laughing together, when they're playing together, when they're getting along, that is one of the greatest things is when my kids want to be around each other, want to, to do things together, not fighting all the time. There's a peace that comes into my house, but even into my life that says, this is what the way is supposed to be. Where do we get that from? From God. He says, when you love each other, when you're getting along, everybody else will look into the family and say, I want some of that. And when you're not, when there's gossip and arguing and backbiting, all those things, he's saying, man, you're missing it. You're not representing me. You're becoming selfish. You're becoming your, your, um, your, your desires are overtaking really what you should be doing. And he says in a family, man, God, that people are going to look in. They're either going to want what you have or they're going to say, no, I want, I want none of that. This is why if we're going to have uncommon love, we have to say, God, help me to do this because I can't do it myself. So the secret of love is first receiving it from God, but then showing God's love to others, showing God's love to others. How do we do that? You can say it. You can write it. You can give it. You can forgive it, which is a big part of what God asks us to do as, as, as followers of him, as we forgive those that don't even deserve our forgiveness, but we give it to them, uh, and then we live it. So he's saying, would you, would you do this? Would you learn to be able to, to give the love that I give you? And here's why it's so important, because love has within itself the power to create more love. When we give love, in that 
giving and receiving, there is something that's generated that actually creates more love because love has within itself the power to get, create and, and give more love. And it multiplies to the degree that we share it. So in your lives, if you want more love in your lives, it'll multiply and become more as you share it more and give it more and help others with it more. Um, and God is saying, if you want to know what to, how to love others, just look at the way I love and just do that. Be sacrificial. Be, be, give it unconditionally. Give it with uh, forgiveness. Learn to forgive. Learn to give others even what they don't deserve. Learn to, learn to do what I've done is what he would say. And the reason Paul writes about following Christ and being able to accomplish these things is saying we, we look at Christ as our model and we follow his example of it. You know, um, I heard, I heard a, read a story this last week, and I'm actually going to put the website up there because maybe you might want to – almost so unbelievable of a story that you might actually want to go read it sometime. All right? Uh, but this, this story is about a, a man named Chris Carrier. Uh, from Coral Gables, Florida. Uh, when Chris was 10 years old, he was kidnapped by a man um, who was very upset with his, with his parents, with his family, with his dad. This man had so much anger uh, towards his, Chris's dad that he kidnapped Chris. He t- drove him out, took him out, and he began to torture him uh, with cigarette buds, uh, with an ice pick, um, began to torture and hurt him. Eventually, he shot uh, Chris in the head um, and, and left him in the Everglades to die. He, he left and went away. Um, well, miraculously, Chris didn't die. In fact, the only thing that happened to him at, because of everything that took place is he lost, he lost sight in one of his eyes. Uh, that was all. The rest, no brain damage, no, no other injuries besides losing the sight in his eyes in itself is a miracle. And the fact that he survived is a miracle. But eventually he was found, returned to his family, um, and began to w- work that process. Well, he became a Christ follower, and uh, later on in life he became a, a pastor to, to, to young people, to youth. youth. Um, and he began to, to live a life in a different way. Uh, well, after many years of, of Christian's living life, um, word got to him uh, that this man named David McAllister came out. He was a 77-year-old man who was in a nursing home in, in Miami, Miami Beach. Um, and while he was in this nursing home, uh, he had confessed to this crime that he had committed uh, to Chris. And so what did Chris do? He got in his vehicle, packed up, and went to go visit David McAllister. Did he take a gun with him? Did he take cigarette buds and an ice pick? No. Uh, he went to go see the man who had hurt him. Um, and he went down to visit him. And um, eventually the man confessed and asked for forgiveness. And Chris forgave him. Um, he, he had the guy in the same vulnerable position he was in as a 10-year-old. But he didn't take advantage of that position. He did something the opposite of what the man did. He gave something the man didn't deserve, forgiveness. He gave the man something that the man really needed, love. And in those moments, in the next few, few months and years, the man was towards the end of his life, uh, David McAllister. Um, he began to meet with him and visit him periodically and, and hang out with him and read scriptures and talk about God and God's love. Um, and eventually, uh, David McAllister, the, uh, the, the man that was abusing Chris, that hurt Chris, that tried to kill him, eventually said, because of the demonstration that, that Chris showed towards him and the forgiveness, something drew him to saying, all right, if God is a loving God that can forgive, that, that, that Chris can forgive me, I think God can also forgive me also. And eventually gave his life to God also before he died. It's really cool. And this is what Chris, they asked Chris about it. And he says, uh, while many people, this is a quote from, from the article I read, and while many people can't understand how I could forgive David McAllister, from my point of view, I couldn't not forgive him. If I had chosen to hate him all these years or spent my life looking for revenge, then I wouldn't be the man I am today, the man my wife and children love, the man God has helped me to be. Notice where he gives the credit, right? First, he's chose to say, I didn't want to choose to live a life that was just trying to get revenge and live a life of bitterness, but rather I forgave. And it's because of God's help. 
God helped me to see things that I didn't see myself. He didn't focus on the bad. He focused on what God was doing in his life and who he became because of it. And he forgave. He gave what this man didn't deserve. Jesus came and died and gave us what we don't deserve, what we didn't deserve. And he says, would you now go and do the same thing I've done to others? In our relationships, with our spouses, with our kids, with our coworkers, with those that are neighbors and those of maybe our enemies, God is saying, would you go and give them love the same way that I have given you love? And when you do that, the world will actually know that you're different. You're not common, but you're uncommon. You have something in you that is different, that can forgive and love and care for. I would say this, when it comes to our interactions, here's a great question. If you're ever struggling, like, what am I supposed to do in this moment? I don't know how to interact with my spouse or my, my kids. Ask this question. What does love require of me? What does love require of you in that moment? When you're in conversation with your coworker, what does love require of you in that moment? To give them a piece of your mind? Tell them how it is? Put them in their place? Or is there a better way to be able to show love, to show grace, to show something different? In those interactions with your kids, what does love require of you? Sometimes love requires that we don't just give what they want, but we sometimes have to say no. Love sometimes means tough love. It means we don't just give in. We don't just help others do things that are, that are destructive to them. But we step in and say, no, love requires me to say you can't do that anymore. That's love. But doing it in a way that shows grace, that shows sympathy, that shows care for them, empathy, right? You're, you're helping them out. What does love require of me? In your, in your interactions in, in life, what does it require of me? Her story, Martin Luther King Jr., he was out speaking, and some of the people that hated him and didn't want him to uh, continue with his message uh, took a bomb to his house and detonated a bomb on his porch. He got word of it, finished his meeting, and went home to be, check on his family. He had a, a young baby at the time and his wife. They went in, and he checked, and they were okay. Um, at this point, it was late at night, and uh, a, a mob had gathered around the house. The police were there trying to calm it down, but this mob was so furious that they would, they, somebody would come ignite a bomb on his porch. So Martin Luther King checked on his family. They were all okay. He went out to, uh, out to the, the, the mob, the people on the porch, and he began to uh, talk, right, about uh, nonviolence. Here's a man who just was attacked, and his response was, guys, we cannot return violence for violence, but there has to be something different in us. He's saying, guys, we can't be common. We can't treat everybody else the way they treat us. Something different has to happen in this moment. And he quotes scripture, and he begins to say, notice, notice where his, his um, influence and where his heart was. Guys, if we're going to be the kind of people God is looking for in this world, we can't just give others what they've given to us. We have to change our response. We have to give something different. And he says that night, he'd be in a talk to the mob that wanted to kill people and hurt people. And says, guys, let's not do this. Let's not cause more, more harm or more damage. We're not going to do to them what they've done to us. Let's give them something better. And he demonstrated exactly what I'm talking. What does love require of me? Sometimes love requires not to give back to the person that, what they just gave to you, but to give them something better. The mob disperses, and the police officer says, that thank God for that preacher, or we'd all be dead. The police recognized in that moment, if he didn't come out and calm the crowd down, that mob would have killed all of the white police officers in that moment, and all, maybe even all the white people, I don't know, to retaliate. And he says, guys, if we're going to be uncommon in our, in our relationships, we cannot give to others what they have given to us. We have to choose a better way. So what does love require of you when you interact with your neighbor who bothers you so much and your boss maybe makes it really difficult, your manager, whoever it is that overseeing you, maybe your employees that you know, having difficulty with your spouse in those moments that are very difficult, your kids. 
anybody, what does love require of you in that moment? This week, I hope you'd ask that question. What does love require of me this week as I, I, I live my life, as I serve others, as I try to follow Christ? What does love require of me? Here's my challenge for us, all right? So this, uh, this week, my challenge is that we would do this, that we would grow in love towards others. We would grow in love towards ourselves. That's important. God wants to help you to love yourself because you can't give um, from what you don't have. And so you have to learn to be able to love yourself. And then finally, grow in our love towards others. What would that look like? To love in our, grow in our love towards God grow, and love towards ourselves and then grow in our loves towards others. Well, I think a, a good starting point is asking the question, what does love require of me in this moment? God, when I'm in relationship with you, love towards you, what does love require of me in that moment? When it comes to relationship with myself and how I view myself and the things I think about myself, what does love require of me? If I'm an insecure and I'm, I'm down to myself, I'm never always down that, how, how can I give anything better than that? How do I become uncommon in my love towards myself? And then finally, how do I become uncommon in my love towards other people? Here's what I know. God is love, which means God is a person. So love that we have needs to be a person also. It's not just an action, although it is tied to action. It's tied to who you are. And when you love out of who you are, you know, acting kind to somebody else, that, that's an act. It's, it's something you can do externally. But when you have the right motivation for acting kind, that is now love because it's attached to the person. And God is saying, I want you to become that kind of person that you live from within, not from just without. It's only love when it involves self and your heart and the motives and the choices you make. You know, today as we end our service, and uh, maybe some of you in this room, you're not Christ followers. Maybe you walked away. Maybe you're here and you're trying to find answers. Maybe some of you in this room and you're struggling with life because uh, you just have a common life. You have a normal average life. I would say this, that God is looking for you to be part of his family because he would like you to, to make a difference. He would like to transform you from common to being uncommon. He's looking for people that, would, that he can empower and love enough that they can go out and love others also. It's his journey of following Christ. It means that he leads the way, that we look at his stories, we look at what he did and how he served others, and we respond by doing the same. In some of this room, and you've been living a life that has nothing to do with others and everything to do with self. This is the antidote for that. The reason God says love others is because he knows that if we don't love others, the opposite is not just hate, but it's self-centeredness. It's selfishness. It's all about me and nobody else. And God says, I want to combat that in life. Life can't just be about you. It's not just about you. He loves you. He cares for you, but he wants to use you. And what's great is when you begin to love others and give away love, you actually receive more than you ever thought possible. So today, if some of you in this room, I want to give an opportunity for you to say, you know what, today I want to start that journey with God. I've lived for myself. I'm common. I'm average. I'm normal. I'm just doing my life. But I believe God is calling me to an uncommon life, to live in a different way. Do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. If that's you today and you would say that's me, as you talk, man, I, that is me. You're talking to me. And today I want to make a choice not to be average, not to be common, not to be normal, but to say, God, help me. Receive your love. Help me to give your love. Help me to be what you want me to be in this earth. I need help. I need you to. Follow, to I need your help to, to, to lead the way for me. So if you're here today, I'm not going to call you down to the front and pray a prayer here. I'm just going to pray a prayer with you right there in your seat. But if that's you and you would say today that's me, man, I want to. I want to commit my life to God. I want to follow Him in His way. Would you do me a favor by just lifting your hand right there in your seat and saying that's me? Awesome. Anybody else? So good. God, I don't want to be common. I want to be uncommon. 
If you raise your, your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of invitation for relationship with God. And just pray this prayer with me. Say this. Say, Father God, today I invite you to come into my life. Would you forgive me of my past? Would you help me to start this journey with you? Following your lead, doing what you've done, giving what you gave. I want to follow you. Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross so I could have a new life and a new start. Today I put my trust in you. Lead me. Help me to love others the way you loved me. Help me to love others the way you loved others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those that prayed that prayer. So good.